0: Hello everybody and welcome back to the Mind Your Home podcast. So I just got back from vacation. Matt and I went camping with his family. It's a yearly trip that we take out to central Oregon to a place called Cove Palisades and it's really awesome. It's really beautiful. Um, it's It's got a, a giant lake so we're able to do a lot of water activities and it's surrounded by these cliffs. So it's just it's, it's super cool in that um, it's not a scenery that we're used to seeing all the time, and also we're camping in tents the entire time. <laughs> so it's very, uh, it's very much a different type of lifestyle, I guess, when you're living in a tent and you're just grabbing the things that you need, and, you know, we get to open our eyes and see these cliff views, you know, as soon as we wake up and right before we go to bed. And I don't know, it's just, it's really refreshing. It's great that there's no Wi-Fi, there's no internet. It's like you can't even be tempted to do the things that you need to do because you're not able to do them anyway. So you might as well just give in to the vacation and, you know, go out and experience things. So it was really nice. We um, we actually did some whitewater rafting, which is something that neither of us had ever done. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, I should share some pictures of that on Instagram. I've got pictures of his whole family because this is a trip where his entire extended family comes. And they've been doing this just for years and decades. Um, all The entire extended family will come and get a campsite. And so with this rafting trip, we had 10 people who signed up for it. And all of us were in one giant raft that was called the Dragon. It was like the largest raft size that they had. And so it was cool that we were all able to be in one spot and we could just experience this whole thing together. And we went down some stage four rapids, which apparently is, um, well, I mean, like, I'm not a pro rafter or anything. But according to the guide, there's some pretty tricky rapids that we went down for our first time. And we did we didn't capsize, but we did lose half of the boat, we lost like five people on this trip. So anyway, it was it was a lot of fun. It was really a pretty cool experience overall. And I think it was probably we've decided this was our best our best trip out there at least since since Matt and I have been together so the, I, this is my 5th year of going out there with his family and it's always a great a great time but this time was just we did a lot of really cool things and there were a lot of additional people that don't aren't always able to make it so it was really cool but now we're back and so now we're in this whole process of reemerging, you know, kind of getting back into the day in day out schedule and and get you know, getting the feel of things. You know what it's like when you go on vacation or when you fly somewhere or when you're just even around different people and you get in this whole different mindset and then you come back to reality and it's like now you got to get back in that in that flow that you were in before. So that's a little bit of what we're actually going to talk about today. Um not just getting back in the flow but also How do you save your progress and not crash and burn whenever you're feeling drained? You know, sometimes we have those those moments or days or weeks, and it can even extend into months, especially if you have any kind of, of health concerns that cause you to just really get depleted and to where you can't run at your one hundred um, percent. Or you know, if you suffer from things like depression or mental illness that can just knock you on your butt all of a sudden out of nowhere. Um, you know, in the past, I've I've suffered from depression on and off since I was about 16 years old. And it's not something that occurs very frequently for me anymore. But it's something I'm definitely very aware of. I'm very familiar with the sensation and know the side effects that come with it when you just feel like you have no drive, you have no energy, you have no, no will even to do things. But at the same time you have these goals, you have these ambitions, these things that you've been working for and you don't want to lose all of your progress for these things that you've been working for just because now you're going to be kind of out of commission or running at less than 100% for a period of time. So there's there's a whole slew of reasons why why we get that. And honestly, it's normal to not run at 100% all the time. We can't we can't live on like jet fuel and constantly be fully energized and, you know, like, just ready to hit the ground running all the time. That's not realistic. And I feel like that's something that in today's society and, just with marketing and with expectations from different, you know, corporate entities and stuff that we feel like we're supposed to do that. We feel like we're supposed to always be on, to always be extroverted and always be energized and like there's something wrong with us if we have a day where we don't feel that way, where we don't feel outgoing or we don't feel energetic or we don't, you know, we don't feel like our creative selves and it can make us feel guilty and feel bad about ourselves when really this is a total totally normal and expected part of life. In fact, I don't even think that I don't even think that you would feel, you know, a hundred percent energized even seventy-five percent or eighty percent of the time. I think even that's unrealistic. And so we're gonna talk about I'm gonna go into, you know, a little more details about, you know, how we do operate in cycles without jumping into it in advance. But I just, you know, I get into this and I wanna I wanna tell people that, you know, just shake them and it's okay to take a time off. It's okay to not feel like you're energized and like you're, you know, super creative and outgoing. It's okay to not want to talk to anybody at all. Sometimes that's totally fine and acceptable and normal. Now, that's not to say that it's a pleasant sensation. I mean, things like our creativity and patience and productivity and even cleanliness, you know, like progress that you're trying to make around your house, all of that stuff can, can seem to just become like a heavy, burdensome weight. Like you're even mundane tasks feel like you're dragging around something, you know, you have, to, oh, now I got to get my body up and I have to walk down the stairs, you know, everything can feel so much heavier when you're in those energy depleted times. And so of course, you know, the best measure is to Take measures, you know, take preventative measures to keep you from getting to a point where you're totally energy drained, you know, practice things like good self care, and taking down time when you need it. But that's, you know, there are going to be times still, when You just naturally don't have that 100% energy, or when you have pushed yourself too hard, and regardless, now you're in the situation and you have to work with what you've got. You've got to work with where you are. So, you know, these five steps that we're going to be going over today are steps to kind of press pause and to, or to press save rather. Like if this was a video game, this would be like pressing save on your progress so that you're not losing everything that you've worked for. You're not, you know, your house isn't totally going to destruction mode because you're taking a little bit of time to yourself, whatever creative projects you're working for, whether it's at work or at home or with your family, whatever it is that you're still, you don't feel like you're gonna lose things by taking that time that you need in order to recuperate. So that's what today's podcast episode is all about, so that you don't feel like you have to quit, um, so that you don't feel like you have to start all over just because you have a little bit of drained energy or whatever else is causing you to be in that condition. So are you ready to dive into these five steps? Let's do it. Okay, so the first step is to know yourself. So this is getting back into the heart of self-awareness, which I really believe is kind of at the center of everything, you know, everything that we're trying to accomplish or do better in, but um, you have to know who you're planning for. If you're really wanting to create a plan that's gonna support you personally whenever you are feeling depleted or feeling like you need to take time away, then obviously you need to know who it is that you're planning for because all of our energy flows differently, you know, we all have different things that energize us, different things that drain us and different methods of regaining, you know, our energy whenever we feel depleted. So you have to know who it is that you're planning for. And the best way to do this, I like to consider this this step really a data gathering step. Because, you know, data gives us what we need in order to take action and to, you know, to follow through with then following appropriate steps. So everything really... In nature, and in us and our bodies, everything operates in a cycle. If you look at, you know, the seasons, they operate in a cycle, you've got, you know, the winter time when everything is kind of still, and you're not getting a whole lot of new growth, it's just very low visibility. And it's what you know, it's like nature taking its time to rest essentially. And then you have spring where things start to emerge and come about. And then you have summer where everything is full visibility, you know, full, full show, the sun is bright, everything is high vibe. And then fall where things are starting to kind of taper back and heading back into winter, you've got our bodies work very similarly. Okay, we have even if you look down closer to on a daily rate, you have, um, you know, nighttime where you're resting, you're you're rejuvenating, that's basically the winter of your day. And then, you know, of course, you have your cycle. And then even within your day, each person is going to have different ways that their energy flows. Some people are morning people and they they wake up high energy, and then they need to to plan their tasks and plan the things that they hope to accomplish earlier in the day if they want to really get the most out of them. And some people are night people. I've always been kind of more of a more of an evening and and night person. I do okay with mid morning, but I'm definitely not an early morning type of person. But some people are and it's like it's made it's built into their DNA. So of course, some of these things can be trained and can be practiced and you can become um, something that isn't necessarily your natural stance. But we do also kind of have our own natural biological clocks, if you will. All of that to say that cycles are natural, they are normal, and it isn't, you know, it isn't Um, realistic to think that you're going to be at 100% energy level 100% of the time because you are going to run in more of a rhythmic cycle, even with your energy. But also to say that that could be very specific to you. It could be very unique to you and how your body functions. And you need to know and understand that and pay attention to times whenever you start to feel lower energy. What tends to bring that on? Are there certain times of the day or certain times of the month? or of the year? Or are there certain types of events that tend to make you more drained? You know, are you an introvert or an extrovert that can make a big difference in how you need to manage your personal energy and how you need to plan for your downtime? I tend to be um, well, I would say I'm definitely an introvert. I enjoy being social Um, sometimes, you know, sometimes I just get even a craving for it. Like I need to be, you know, I need to be visible. I need people to see me. I need to have social interaction. Like I crave that. But I can't handle it for too long, you know, it'll come in spurts. And there are more periods of time where I need to recoil to become, you know, to hide away somewhere become alone with my thoughts. And just to like replenish my energy on my own in solitude. There are more of those periods of time than there are times when I'm craving to be visible. That's how my energy works. So I know that if there are certain types of social events or networking events or, you know, like a launch in my business where I'm really going to need to be visible and going to need to interact with people and be available to answer questions and all of that good stuff. I need to plan those times around how my energy tends to work around how statistically I have had more energy at, you know, such and such time of the month or the year, I have to really work with those in order to get the best out of myself so that I'm not miserable, or I'm not setting myself up for a future energy depletion period. And you need to do the same thing, you need to pay attention to how your body works to how your mind and emotions and energy works generally for you, and work with that. So know yourself. Some people are totally even keeled. And I love those people. I feel a little bit envious of those people who are just constantly the same. Like every time you see them, you know exactly what to expect. They always have this plateau of energy, and there are no you know highs and lows and lulls. It's just like they're always the same. And you know, I, I again, I'm really envious of those type of people. If you're one of those people, then that's great. Congratulations. You probably won't need this um, this training on what to do when your energy is depleted because of that, because your energy is so steady. So there are definitely those type of people who personally, their energy does tend to be a little more of a plateau and less of the highs and lows. Regardless, any effective plan starts with strong data. So that's what number one is all about, gathering that strong data. So step number two is time blocking. Time blocking is a beautiful thing because it allows you to plan to use that prefrontal cortex of your brain, which is the part of our brain that only humans have. I think that's amazing. No other animal out there. I even looked it up when I first started studying about this and was like, well, dolphins are really smart. Maybe dolphins have this part. Even dolphins don't have this part of their brain. This prefrontal cortex that allows us to really plan and evaluate and set long-term goals. And you know, we have this as a privilege. So time blocking allows you to use that privilege to your advantage, to actually be intentional about what needs to be done, when it needs to be done, and then shove those things into a time when it's going to work best for you and best for your energy. So once you've gathered that data from step one, you know yourself, you know when you're going to have the lulls, when you're going to have the highs, when you're going to be like popping and ready to just be visible and get out there and do the dang thing, like getting that information will now you can use time blocking to shove all of those tasks into those times. And even more importantly, just as important, don't leave this part out. You can also schedule yourself times for rest when you know you're going to need those times of rest. So one thing that I did a lot um, over the past few years, and I'm not doing it so much right now because right now I'm kind of in a little bit of a free fall with it being summer and the the girls are gone and just you know like I have a whole lot more free time than what I probably need. Um, but we're doing we're doing a lot of visiting and vacations and all that good stuff, as I told you. Um, but one thing that I will probably start doing again as soon as school starts and we get back in the flow of things is to schedule myself like a week of nothing, a week of of nothingness. And the way that I do that is that I block all of my similar tasks, which is the heart of time blocking into certain weeks. So for example, I might make week one all about imagery, Okay, so that might be where I'm looking through all of the images that I need for my blog, all of the images that I need for my different social media accounts, and I really just get into the graphics of things. And I let myself just fall into this whole creative, um, you know, pictorial type of mode. And it allows me to really be efficient, first of all, with that particular mode, because that's what that's what I'm letting myself dive into. I'm not jumping from task to task. But it also allows me to schedule a time when I know that I'm going to be good at it. I'm allowed to, you know, to block aside a time when I know that my typically, my natural energy flow is something that's going to allow me to really excel at doing this type of task. And then maybe the next week, I go into writing mode, maybe I'll be, you know, writing on my next book, or writing on the blog or writing different, you know, captions for some of my social media posts, or, you know, just whatever, I do a whole lot of of different types of writing activities and curriculum and all of that, it could be something for my course. Um, So I'll, I'll set myself into writing mode. And that allows me to I don't need, you know, quite the same energy and creativity that I need for imagery with writing. With writing, I'm able to sit back and get a little more introspective and kind of pull back into my own zone. And just, you know, it's a different type of creativity. So in doing that at a certain time when I know that I'm going to be able to really rock it and excel at it, um... And also just keeping myself in that mode that allows me to be more again, more efficient. Um, And so you know, you can do these things either whether it's with work or whether it's with social activities, you know, say you have a whole bunch of family or friend events coming up, if you have any say in that, if you're able to manipulate it, like maybe it's a PTO event, and you're the leader of the PTO, you can try to schedule those things in a time where it's going to be, you know, more optimal for you to be out there and be social and be visible. So, you know, just working with whatever you have, we don't always have full control over when we schedule things. Some things happen, you know, our kids have school events, or we have different work deadlines and things that are out of our control. But even if you have no control and you're not able to schedule yourself a week of rest, you can still look at your schedule and all of the different things that you are adding, all of the different meetings or, you know, exercise routines you're doing on your own time or everything else that you do have control over, you can schedule around those optimal periods of time. In fact, you might even want to go through your whole year calendar and highlight what would be, and you can like put it in quotations, optimal time, optimal time. So these would be the optimal times to schedule things that need to be scheduled. And if at all possible, you try to schedule any additional things within that optimal time, time block. And that'll allow you to again, take control, make those intentional decisions about when you're doing what types of tasks. And it's a lifesaver because when you're scheduling yourself some downtime, when you're scheduling yourself that extra free time, you're allowed to do whatever you want with that time without feeling guilty, without feeling pressure, or without feeling bad about it. And you're able to also intentionally schedule it at a time when it's going to be the most beneficial to you, because typically you don't have as much energy during that time period. So if I schedule myself a week off, and I decide to sleep in until 10am every day that week and wake up and watch Netflix and live in my pajamas all day long, I can totally do that because I have scheduled time to do that. You see what I'm saying? So there's no guilt. There's no worrying about falling behind because I've scheduled time for rest, schedule time to do whatever the hell I want with that block of time. And you know, I understand that not everybody works from home or sets their own schedule. But again, you can Curate a schedule that will flow with your personal energetic flow as much as possible, so that you can take that time and not feel guilty about not doing all of the other things that you generally would feel needed to be done. So it's a great thing being able to time block, um, and it's it's super simple. But again, it really is going to rely, in order to do it right and get the most out of it, it's going to rely on that personal data about knowing yourself and that data you've gained about how your own personal energy works. So number three is to be honest. Be honest. So first, you need to be honest with yourself. What I mean by this is, is there a reason why you're having this energy dump right now? if you're feeling depressed, or if you're feeling, um, you know, just like, like drained, if you're crashed on, you know, having an energy crash, is there a reason for it? Be honest with yourself. Maybe this is just one of those normal slumps that you go through, or you know, just that we all go through where you're just not 100% energy. But be honest with yourself if it's something else. So could this be representative of a job that is no longer fulfilling for you, you know, something that that you've kind of outgrown, and it's time for something else? Or could it be indicative of a relationship that's becoming toxic and is draining your energy, whether that's, you know, like a romantic relationship, or just a relationship with somebody in the outside world in general, that you know, is not really serving you and is is making you feel like you're not able to operate it at 100% because they're sucking and being a vampire with your energy so much, you know. Um, So just be honest with yourself. Is there a reason? Have you not been doing self care? The way that you should be? Are you not eating? Are you not sleeping? Are you not doing the things that your body needs in order to actually survive? You know, give give these things some thought and just be honest with yourself and then be honest with other people. So many times we want to be like stoics, we want to just pretend like we can do it all because we think that that's what we're expected to do. We think that because of these whole, you know, society um, expectations that I mentioned earlier, we feel like it's wrong for us to not feel 100% and to not be on top of our game. So we hide that from other people. But we're not at 100%. And people can sense that. And so, you know, rather than leaving it up to their imagination and letting them decide what's wrong with you, you should just be honest, be open, just let people know, you know, now I'm, I'm currently just feeling like I'm really drained because of X, Y, and Z, or I'm going through this, or I'm just needing to kind of pull back a little bit. If, if you explain to people, even as an introvert, if I explain to people, you know, that, yeah, you know, I'm just an introvert. And right now I'm just feeling like I need to pull back a little bit to kind of recoup people are are 100% on board. They're like, Oh, okay, you know, I get that you just you need to regain your energy. Otherwise, they might start thinking that it's something they might take it personally, they might think it's something wrong with them. If you're at work, your boss might think that you're no longer satisfied with your job or that you're just not uh, performing as well as as you know, you used to perform and that that's going to be a new norm for you. You know, your coworkers might get frustrated that you're not taking on quite as much as you used to take and maybe you know, but if you let people know if you let your coworkers know what's going on, and that this is a temporary thing, if you let your spouse or person at home know that, you know, this is just something that you're going through, people are a lot more inclined to help take up some of the slack and to help. Because At the heart, we all want to be helpful, but we have to know what's going on. Otherwise, we'll start to internalize and start to make our own opinions about what it is that you're going through. And obviously, it has something to do with us because we're all a little bit self-centered, right? So just be honest, be honest with yourself about what's going on, be honest with other people, and you'll find that in having that additional support, that extra help, you're able to keep on top of things easier you don't have to do it all yourself. You're also going to be able to not feel so guilty and crappy about feeling down because other people are supporting, they know what's going on. Uh, You know, it it takes, it alleviates a lot of the pressure. Okay, so number four is to sleep more. How many of you are abusing yourself with lack of sleep? How many of you think that it's really cool to see if you can live off of 3 or 4 hours of sleep each night and just power through the rest of the day because you are a superhero. You know, we it's it's seriously it's it's demented. It's like the worst type of self-abuse that we that we can take is to not get adequate sleep because our brains control a lot of stuff in our body. Our brains control pretty much the whole ship. And if you're not letting your brain rest and rejuvenate, your body's going to feel it Your mind's going to feel it. You're going to start making those delirious decisions like, you know, eating a gallon of ice cream mindlessly because you're not thinking about it or ordering a whole bunch of stuff on Amazon that shows up a few days later and you don't even remember what you ordered. But now you've got all of these new things to add to the clutter in your house and your credit card's feeling it. Like we make delirious decisions when we lack sleep. And those delirious decisions only make that whole energy depletion period so much worse. So in general, you always need to get your, you know, adequate amount of sleep. But especially when you're already feeling depleted, when you're already feeling like you're not at 100%, you need to get additional sleep during those times. So, you know, maybe that means like not watching that extra program before you go to bed. Or, you know, cutting out your nighttime reading and just going to sleep early instead. Or blocking out a chunk of time on a Saturday to take a fat nap for like four hours. You know, who cares? There are no judgments. If you need the sleep, you should take the sleep. Don't get in the habit of like judging yourself or taking, you know, so much extra sleep. There are certain times of the month when I tend to sleep way more than usual. I mean, I might sleep for like 10 or 11 hours. And that in itself is like an indicator to me that, oh, okay, I'm entering this period of, of the month, you know, I know what's coming. Even if there are no other signs or symptoms, just the fact that my body is taking that extra sleep is like an indicator light to me that my body is entering this period of the cycle. So, you know, just in general, whenever you're feeling like you are, low energy, you're depleted, you're feeling negative, you're not as creative, your brain is showing all of these symptoms of being low energy and not having that full, um, you know, that full juice that it generally has. That's the time when you really need to pump up the sleep, let your body go into that whole rim creativity part uh, of your day, you know, and just rejuvenate because we need it. You have to respect your physical limitations. And instead, you know, so, so many of us try to like game the system. Uh, I like to think of it like a cell phone charger. I have I have a cell phone charger pad, so I just plop my phone on this pad and it charges it, and I do that every night and then my phone will last through the entirety of the day. And then at night, I put it back on the charger. So it kind of has a recharging schedule similar to my own when I'm sleeping, my phone is, is recharging when I'm recharging, my phone is recharging. Um, but a lot of us, it would be similar to If instead of charging my phone at night, I was just trying to charge it for a few minutes throughout the day, you know, I'm getting in the car, and I'm trying to charge it in the car, and then it's getting low battery, and then I'm trying to tweak the lights and lower the dimness, and maybe like pause the notifications for a little bit, and then charge it for a few more minutes when I'm in the car. And then you know, I get a phone call, and I'm like adjusting the systems again, so that you know, I can make the battery last even longer. We do that with our bodies, I feel like all the time. So instead of stopping to actually eat a meal or sit down to eat a meal, we'll just grab a few chips and pop them in our mouth as we're going, so that we don't have to stop. Uh, You know, just enough to keep you from throwing up later on from not eating any anything, Um, or we'll you know just maybe sit and rest for a few seconds instead of actually taking a nap or, or giving yourself that full eight hours of sleep at nighttime. You'll just, you know, take a few breaks here and there, but then keep powering through. Or we'll just, you know, pump ourselves full of coffee or different kinds of stimulants to force us to power through and force your body to take these actions. So, you know, we treat our bodies Similar to how I would be treating my phone if I didn't charge it every night, and instead I just tried to tweak and game the system, and what it does is it costs well that would cost me more energy if I were to if I were to instead of charging my phone every night, I were to just you know go throughout the day, charging it a little bit here and there in the car, adjusting the brightness, you know, adjusting the volume, charging it a little bit more, like that takes more energy for me just to be able to maintain that than it would to put it on the charger at night, let it charge, and then, you know, having it good to go for the day. So you may think that you're saving time or think that you're being more efficient or that you're able to somehow squeeze more out of your day by living that way. But it's actually the opposite the the truth is if you were to get the full amount of sleep you wouldn't need to worry about all those other things throughout the day you know if you sat down and you fed yourself the food that your body needs in order to produce creativity and you know to energize energize your body you wouldn't need to push so hard and pump yourself full of so many other stimulants throughout the day and i'm not hating on coffee most of you who know me know that I drink a lot of coffee. So that's not what this is about. But it is about taking care of yourself and giving yourself the sleep and the resources that you need, um, especially during those times when you're already not feeling 100%. Okay, are you ready for number five? Number five is a big one. And it's something that I think a lot of you are going to be able to relate to. And it's all about rejecting guilt And negativity. So, number five is to reject the guilt and the negativity. Every time we take a, a down you know a, a down period or we're not feeling a hundred percent or God forbid we get sick and we're bed bound and you're just you know you're laying there you're already feeling miserable and nauseous or whatever kind of sick you are but then in addition to that you're feeling guilt and you're feeling negative and you're feeling this pressure of all of the other things that you're not accomplishing and so I just want to tell you right now that number five in this whole system of being able to save your progress and actually you know feel like you can get through this whole time of being energy depleted and then get back on the ball instead of losing everything, you have to let go of that whole feeling of guilt and negativity surrounding taking that downtime. You have to let it go. You have to just like, you know, whenever it comes, just let it slide right back off. Because the thing is guilt is a passive emotion. It doesn't solve any problems. It only adds to the problems because it can be debilitating. Just having that guilt and that oppressive thought, not only does it keep you from being able to heal and to get back on the ball, um, you know, sooner as you know, even sooner than you would, it also causes the opposite effect, it causes you to feel even worse, it causes you to maybe want to pull the covers back over your head and go back to sleep because now on an emotional level, you feel so crappy. So you've got to let go of that guilt and the negativity. And that not only comes from, you know, and I'm not only talking about like the kind that comes internally, but also the kind that comes externally. You know, those if you have people in your life who are just going to spew a whole bunch of negativity about you when you're already feeling down, don't answer the phone. You know, don't (laughs) don't even let that into your bubble of healing at that time, because nothing will keep you down worse than somebody who's just like spewing a whole bunch of negativity in your face and in your brain, while you're already feeling down, and you're already trying to heal. So not only should you not give into that whole feeling of oppression and guilt and you know negativity and obligation and all of that whole whirlwind of stuff that just keeps you in a cycle and keeps you feeling bad but you should also not let it come at you from other directions and from other people you need to you know put up a bubble put up a boundary and protect yourself from all of those outside toxins you could call it You know, we're all really big nowadays on detoxing and, you know, eating organic and eating healthy. Well, you need to have a little bit of that organic health in your life with your relationships with other people in your mind. You know, there are sometimes when I just don't answer the phone, like people call and, you know, especially if it's somebody who I know, I'm going to get frustrated or I'm going to get drained just by talking to them or I just won't answer the phone. Like why even do it? Right. And of course, you know, there are some times when maybe you feel fine talking to that same person. But if you're already feeling drained, don't let those people into your bubble. You gotta you gotta put up that healing barrier. You've gotta let yourself rest. You've gotta let yourself, you know, nourish and just rejuvenate and refill that energy that you've lost for whatever reason. And then, you know, you can do whatever you want after that. (laughs) But you got you got to put up those borders, you got to put up that bubble. And don't let all of the negativity and all those toxic people inside of your bubble, you can do that. All right, so those are the five things. Know yourself. Okay, use that information to do a little bit of time blocking. Be honest with yourself and with other people. Get some more sleep. And then Finally, reject the guilt and the negativity. Those five things are going to help you to get through this whole energy depleted time period, this whole feeling drained and all of that without just totally losing your mind and going down the rabbit hole where you take way longer than what you would generally need. But in addition to that, that's not all I got, folks. In addition to that, I have three things to kind of help you stay afloat while you're doing that healing. Okay, so these three things really help to kind of uh, put a pin in it and keep you, you know, keep things moving along, even while you are taking your precious downtime. So the first thing is to have a bare bones to do list. So while you're feeling down, that's not the time to make a list of 100 things that are on your brain that you need to get done because A, that's not realistic and B, If you try to do all of those things, it's only going to keep you down longer and make you feel worse. So just don't do it. Make a bare bones to do list each night. So you want to do this at night, the night before, because if you wait until the morning of, you're not going to have the energy. You're not going to feel like it. You're not going to be inspired to do any of these things because now it's like the day of and that's like saying, okay, so right now I'm going to go do all these things. No, you wanna you wanna make a an intentional, well thought list of bare bones things that need to be done. And and when I say bare bones list, I mean no more than five things. Preferably three and even one is okay. If you have nothing to do, then that's great. That means that you've planned this whole thing really well and that's the overall goal from the first five steps. But if you're already in it, and you just need to stay afloat, make a bare bones list that's no more than five things that absolutely must be done. Because if they aren't done, then the business is going to burn down, or the family isn't going to be able to eat, and everything is going to go to hell, right? So make that bare bones list each night, the night before they actually need to be done. And then number two is to look at where you can delegate or outsource those things. So if you have three things on your list, can maybe one of your kids do those things? Can one of your kids make mac and cheese for dinner that night, so that you're not having to get up and make a meal? Um, do you have somebody at work, or like somebody that you can hire, um, hire freelance help for, if it's something with a business, like a VA virtual assistant, or somebody who maybe works under you, a subordinate at your corporate office, or maybe your husband can pick up some of the extra things that need to be done just while you're taking this downtime. So you know, deciding the things that absolutely need to be done is the first step. But then asking yourself, does this need to be done by me? Do I have to be the person who does these things? And if not, then who else can do them and go ahead and get those delegated and outsourced. Number three is to set a hard deadline. And I believe, see, if you're using the first five steps and you're already like in the midst of that and you become a pro at it, you know your data, you're time blocking everything, you're already ahead of the game, you know, this is kind of keeping you um, afloat anyway to where you're not having to fall into this situation. But if that's not the case, if you've just kind of fallen into this whole pit and you don't know when you're going to come out of it, that's when step three is really important, and that is to set a hard deadline. You don't want this to last forever. You know, sometimes when you take some downtime or, you know, you go on sabbatical or whatever the case may be, you're feeling sick, you're feeling depressed, even when that process is over, you can have that hesitation with getting back into it because now your norm has changed right? And so it takes like extra activation energy to get that ball rolling again to dive. That's kind of what I'm going through now, like after going on vacation and doing all these fun things and being in a whole different, um, a whole different area, a whole different lifestyle for eight days of living outside being surrounded by people, and now coming back home and just getting back into this whole you know technology you know <laughs> messing with my pinterest account and looking at you know recording new episodes and of for the podcast and stuff like it's it's just really a different way of of my brain operating And whatever you do for work or whatever you do on a daily basis, whether it's for fun or, you know, we're all into something. We all have our own thing. So whatever that thing is for you, getting back into the flow of it after you've taken any kind of downtime, um, whether it was intentional downtime or just like a sudden moment of of being drained or having health situations come up can be difficult. So setting a hard uh, deadline that says, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this time, I'm gonna allow myself to heal. But only until this date on this date, whether I feel like it or not, I'm going to get my butt up, I'm going to get back on the ball, and it's going to get rolling. That is a few things. Um, for one, it helps to deflect the guilt. Because, you know, either for yourself or for others, you're able to say, well, I'm only doing it until this date. And that kind of relieves some of that endless oppressive feelings of like you just guilt and you know, when is this going to end and nothing's ever going to get done? Well, it is going to get done because you have a date set where you know, you're going to get back on the ball and things are going to get done. And I know what you're thinking now. Well, what happens when that date comes and I still just don't feel like it? I still don't feel like getting back into it. Well, once you've decided Once you have made that intentional decision and well thought out decision about this date, you know, for whatever reason, this date where you're going to come out of it, unless you're in some really, you know, really deep medical scenario. And for some reason, your situation is worsening. Obviously, that's a whole different situation. But in general, if you're just taking some downtime, you're feeling drained, you're feeling like you're just not in it. And you've pulled you've pulled yourself back to really rejuvenate. When that deadline comes, you don't wait for motivation. You don't wait for inspiration. You start with action. You take action. Action is the only way to kind of get that ball rolling again, just get the momentum built back up. If you're sitting there and you're like trying to inspire yourself, but I've done this before. I'm sure we all have. Like when you're procrastinating, you don't feel like doing something that you know you need to do. So instead you do things that make you feel like you're doing something without actually having done it. So like you're looking at blog posts about how to declutter your home instead of getting up and decluttering it. Or you're in my case, I'm looking at like motivational videos and webinars about how to do different things in business instead of getting up and taking the actions that I know I need to take. And we do that in, in, you know, pretty much every area of our life when we're trying to procrastinate. So in this situation, you've taken this downtime for yourself, you've scheduled yourself a date that's going to be like a no BS, no nonsense date, you're going to get up and do stuff. You're not going to sit around and waste a few extra days trying to get motivated and inspired to get up and do those things. You're just going to get up and you're going to take the first actions to get the ball rolling. Okay, so this is it Though you've got the five steps to where if you start those steps now, those original five steps of you know, knowing yourself, paying attention to your data, and then using time blocking to your advantage, using your great prefrontal cortex abilities and privilege to be able to schedule all of these things that need to be done into times when you're already going to be more energized and already going to have that great flow about it. And um, and you know just following those first 5 steps and start working on those now you can make that a part of your daily habit to where you're not or monthly habit or annual habit to where you're not having to worry about you know what happens when i crash because you've already got that rest time scheduled out you've already got everything blocked so you're good to go it's okay the world's not going to come to an end if you take that downtime because everything is kind of planned around it and then If you happen to slide into that time, maybe you're already in it and you're like, well, it's too late for that now, because here I am and I don't feel like getting up and doing anything. Um, Then you can start taking a look at those last three steps of, you know, creating that bare bones to do list of delegating and outsourcing whatever you can just while you're making your way through this and setting that hard deadline to make sure that it's not going to go on forever. And you're going to be you're going to be solid, you can save this podcast episode for the next time that something like this happens to, you know, kind of get yourself on track and get the ball rolling. And I promise Like I've had years of experience of this whole waxing and waning with my energy to the point where I've had to create systems for myself. I've had to take a look at the data to look what's going on. If I ever wanted to actually accomplish something and stop trying to like push the ball up the hill and then the ball rolls back on top of me and then I push the ball up the hill and then the ball rolled, you know, that whole thing, I've had to like structure ways of doing things to where I can actually make it over the hill. Okay, and I promise you, if you utilize, if you actually take these five steps, and then the other three, if you need them, and you implement those as part of your routine and schedule and habits and stuff, you're not going to have that, um, that same experience of, well, i you know, I've done all this work, and now it's about to all just go out the window because I'm taking some downtime. Okay, so good luck to you. I hope that you um, are able to use these and to implement them ASAP and that that you just have like tons and tons of happy go-getter energy. All right, if you have not already done so, please go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review of the podcast. I would love any future ideas for topics that you would like to hear about. And also, I just, I would love to see who my listeners are and to find out what you guys are really enjoying about the podcast. Thank you for listening and I will catch you next week.